This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. We are back from Pullman, Washington. It was quite the trip. Not so great for the Badgers. Was okay for Jesse Temple. Was, was okay for Jesse Temple. He did a great job writing about the loss Wisconsin took. Also got pulled over on the way home, but didn't get a ticket. How, how big of a win was that, Jesse? Uh, life is about small victories. And I think that was one for me. It was, it was going to be terrible. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was going it, it to be tough. It was going to be tough. It was, uh, but that was a night. The, the cop was nice enough to let you off. So, you know, we were only delayed by about 15 minutes trying to get back to, to Spokane late at night, but thank you to the, thank you to the police officer Pullman. That's letting people off, uh, for going yeah. 15 over in downtown Pullman, Washington, just speeding around corners and all right, take it easy. But Zach and I were like, what, three tenths of a mile outside of the stadium. Obviously, I have no idea where I am or what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, the cop lights shine behind me and he comes over. And I said, how bad was it? And he was like, he started off kind of like a bit of a hard ass, a little harder. Who knows what he could have been thinking? Um, maybe the party was raging a little too long is what he thought. I'm not sure. But he said, well, you were going 40 and a 25, so it's pretty bad. And he <laughs> said, I was just going to be about a $250 ticket. And if you don't know the speed limit, he said something that made no sense to me in retrospect. It was like, the signs say, if you don't know the speed limit, you should go 25. It's like, well, if I knew there was a sign, then I would have seen the speed limit and gone <laughs> that speed limit. But he was gone for like 10 minutes, came back and he said, I'll... I don't know what he said. He said, I'll, I'll let you off with a, it wasn't even a warning. I guess it was a warning. There was no citation. Right. So, so shout out to him. And he said, uh, but if any, what did he say? Like, if you don't, if anybody else gets stopped again, they won't be so nice. I was like, well, I'm out of here at 7am. So well, they have he's six like, hours left in Washington. He's, he's like, all right, take it slow to the airport or wherever you're going then. Yeah. Uh, it was a good, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, we were thinking about all the things you know, that you could have done with $250, but like the, the $250, you, you went to a game, you covered it and you still lost $250 without betting on it. So that, yeah, that would have that been, been brutal. That oh, would have been impressive. Happened to me once before though, 2014 against Northwestern, got a ticket on the way back, lost money that day. For as much as I've driven, we talked about it the, the other night. I have not gotten a ticket in like 10 years and that's me knocking on wood, but we drive so much in this job. It's, it's bound to happen. So just the fact that it happened so close <laughs> to the stadium yeah. where like you had barely even stepped on the gas. That was impressive. That was impressive. Um, all right. Wisconsin also played <laughs> on Saturday night. They lost 31, 22 to Washington state. There were some impressive things. I don't want to just uh, focus on the negative things that happened in that game. There obviously were plenty. Do we want to start with the positive? Do we want to start with the negative? It's up to you. We should start with the negative. What are fans talking about in the comments section? It's not, uh, wow, Tanner Mordecai's touchdown pass really showed how nimble he was. It's uh, it's not about Nathaniel Bacos going. It's not about Nathaniel Bacos going three for three and no, all his I, extra points. I don't think anybody was too jazzed about the kicker being the first half MVP, other than perhaps Hunter Wohler. Um, hey, Bacos is exactly who they wanted him to be, but you don't want to trade touchdowns for field goals. Yeah, the Nathaniel Vacos for Heisman campaign has started. I got, uh, I believe there's a Twitter account and an Instagram account already. So got that going. All right, negative stuff. We'll start with the we'll start with the first half, and uh, I guess we'll go. 
I guess we'll go defense first because I think they were able to find some answers later on, but they get off the field after uh, on the first drive, but then touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and the two touchdown drives, they put up very little resistance. I thought at times those two drives kind of looked like Ohio State, and I know they didn't have Ohio State talent, but the Ohio State game in 2022 was a lot of talent, but it was also just an absolute coaching class of Ryan Day and company out coaching Jim Leonard and scheming guys open guys were running open all over the place. And it felt similar to that on those two drives and a little bit on the field goal drive before they stiffened, but it's it's a slow start and that's slow start in back-to-back games, especially off offensively, but defensively as well. From a defensive standpoint, I have to say I was a bit surprised by the way the Badgers came out because First of all, they played last year and the defense did a a reasonably good job, but they had an understanding of what to expect, at least the guys who were here last season, because they just played them. And secondarily, they knew that the pace of play was going to be even faster than what they saw from Wisconsin's offense. It's something that Luke Fickle talked about last Monday. So it, it surprised me that they just were on their heels consistently. And we saw what happened. And I think the other thing, is and to me this really highlighted maybe how out of sorts the the defense was but there were two plays where they had 12 guys on the field and 13 guys on the field and i know that the substitutions can be challenging but that's why the rules are in place where you've got an official standing over the ball going like this telling the quarterback that they can't snap the ball the quarterback in the center but there was a sequence where believe it was Jason Matry and Travion Blaylock ran onto the field. And I think one of them was supposed to replace James Thompson jr. So they could change packages, but it, it ended up being a free play that went for a 17 yard completion. And then after that trick pass play, that was a 39 yarder down to the one Jake Cheney said their, their coach admitted afterward, he thought that it was a touchdown and they were sending out the, the, the field goal, like the base field goal team. They had 13 guys on the field and they just threw a little short one yard touchdown pass into the, it, it, I mean, Washington state was probably going to score anyway, but the point is, to me, it highlighted how out of sorts everybody was defensively, and it surprised me. It was surprising, and yet kind of saw shades of it big play-wise against Buffalo, right? And Cam Ward was fantastic, and he was, statistically wasn't that much better than he was last year, last year against Wisconsin. I think he threw for 12 more yards this year. He obviously did not turn the ball over, which he did do last year, but his feet, made some plays and I know it was certainly later in the game where that that came and uh when they were trying to get off the field in the fourth quarter uh, after the fumble by Ches Malusi but he's he just looks so much more confident and and was willing to throw and let his guys make some plays and they did in that first the first quarter and a half and then things kind of switch for Wisconsin and I've seen a lot of people ask like what changed for Wisconsin and I don't necessarily and I know Lewis Riddick really, really harped on trying to show Cam Moore different things, not bringing just three guys, not bringing just four guys, bringing guys from different places, fake blitzing, like just trying to get his eyes in different places. And I think that was part of it. But I think guys also just started winning their matchups as well and started, you know, getting some pressure on them, started having some success in that respect, as opposed to just changing things completely. Ward had the first half was something like 180 yards passing a couple touchdowns. And so statistically in the second half, they really did a good job of holding him in check until later when he was able to get free. 
But that's what a dynamic quarterback can do. We've seen this before that they can present problems for Wisconsin and a bunch of other defenses throughout college football. When you're multidimensional, it makes it challenging because if something breaks down, he can get out of the pocket. It's hard because everyone was responsible for this loss. The defense put Wisconsin in a bad position early, but the offense just, it wasn't good enough for way too long. So the blame goes everywhere, but they obviously have a ton that they need to clean up. And and one thing that I think is interesting here is since we're, we're talking about the defense, but it goes to the offense too. It's something I asked Luke after the game. Did he, does he have any thoughts about, the fact you've got a totally new coaching staff, you're implementing a new defensive system. And while it may not be as drastic as offense, it's there's still newness. And obviously we know about the offensive changes and he was not willing to make excuses. And he said, we have the talent to win now. It's the little details that it comes down to. But I mean, watching that game, it made me think, you know, maybe this overhaul is going to take a little longer than a lot of people had hoped. And I don't even know if that's excuse making, it's just, it kind of, it is what it is. I don't know. Was it realistic to believe they'd roll in here right away and everything would be perfect? No. Correct. I think it's also worth noting one other defensive change that they made and personnel-wise, and that was uh, Kamoi Latu being taken out and Preston Zachman being inserted. It happened after one big play, I believe, on the second drive, and then it happened again, I believe, for the rest of the game later in the in the second quarter. And... So after they go touchdown, touchdown, field goal on three of their first four drives, the rest of their drives, minus 11. I'm going to take the end of the half out of it because they just, they just kneeled it. But a minus 11, six yards, 27 yards, minus one, minus eight. They went punt, end of half, punt, punt, punt. It was as dominant of a defense performance as you could ask for in that, in that time. And they did exactly what, you were kind of not expecting all the time because you're not expecting a dominant defense with a, a new staff and everything and so many uh, losing Nick Herbig, losing Keanu Benton, and losing John Torchio, but th- that was dominant. The next step for the defense is is the takeaways, and I don't. I, that's always a weird topic because you hear people say, "Oh, it's contagious," and once one happens, like I don't know if I believe that, and I also don't know. No matter how much you coach it, you have to be in the right position. Um, so, yes, they they had a really good stretch. I think that's an encouraging sign. I don't I don't know exactly what to expect moving forward from the group. I do think they'll continue to be better, but there's a lot a lot to uh to harp on with on both sides. So, I was uh you talk about the turnovers and that is a big part. They're they've turned it over what? 5 times in the first yeah. two games and gotten zero turnovers. That's back-to-back games without turnovers. It's just the second time since 2016 that they've gone back-to-back games without turnovers. Someone asked in the in the Twitter questions, and I didn't have a chance, uh, despite sitting around an airport yesterday, to go back and look exactly the last time they didn't have, you know, turnovers in the first two games of the season. I guarantee it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they had gone so long, I mean, they they did it at the end of last year too. They didn't have turnovers against Minnesota. Um, or uh, who was the game before Minnesota last Nebraska. year? Nebraska. Nebraska. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't force turnovers in either of those two games. They did against Oklahoma State in the finale or in the in the bowl game, and then hasn't haven't had any these last two games. So for the last five games, they have not been able to force a turnover. And while yes, you to an extent, 
have to, uh, <laughs> they come at times, they come in bunches at times. If you're not turning the ball over, you're making things extremely, extremely difficult for your defense. And they are in that, they're in that right now. Pickle talked about that too after the game. It's it's those little details, but one of the first things he addressed was you you lose the turnover battle three to nothing on the road. You're not giving yourself much of an opportunity. So I don't know what the defense needs to do. And it's it's interesting because it's a half a step, right? Muma Jong Meta talked about it after the game. There was a play late they're where down. I don't fault Muma. It's just he the ball went right by him. He said I was half a step slow. And if you're in a little bit different position maybe you can change the complexion of the game and that's what it's going to take but the other thing is good teams find ways and that's what wisconsin is going to have to do moving forward yeah so just in very fast trying to research here it hasn't happened since 2007 going back to back-to-back games without creating a turnover in the first two games of the season so they're in they're in historical terms right now and uh that's as far back as i got right now i'll look at it maybe later and update this but um it's been a while since it's happened, and that just makes things extremely different or difficult because your offense is turning the ball over. They turned it over three times. They had two fumbles from quarterback Tanner Mordecai, who I'm not necessarily going to blame for those. Some people will say pocket presence. And then they had the obviously uh, questionable, but it was called a fumble, so it is a fumble. Ches Malusi on the uh, – on a drive where they had a chance to take the lead. So, but let's start in the first half with the Wisconsin offense. They, another slow start. They had 14 points to start last week. They had obviously uh, nine points in the first half this week. They were able to move the ball to an extent, but got down into Washington state territory and could not finish. They had two red zone trips that ended in field goals. And the other one, I believe they got down to the 25. I know there was a lot of talk coming into this season about what does Phil Longo's offense look like when you get into the red zone, you have much less room to operate. I'm willing to withhold some judgment here. We're two games into the season. They did score a red zone touchdown later at a couple nice scoring drives, but obviously you can't trade field goals for touchdowns, especially against an up, up tempo offense like Washington state. Um, it's interesting because I think Tanner played a really solid game and yet there's the two turnovers, but I, I let's just get to it right now. Jack Nelson got beaten around by uh, Ron Stone Jr., the, the edge rusher. Two exact same types of situations where he got him off the edge and he sacked Mordecai. That's obviously Mordecai's blind side, forced the fumble. The first time Wisconsin was able defensively to escape that one, I think that was the one where Jake Cheney got a massive sack, like a 13-yard loss, and knocked him out of field goal range and they had to punt. But obviously the second one, that is absolutely backbreaking. People are going to make mistakes, but you can't have that kind of a mistake in that situation because Mordecai lost the ball. They pounced on it in the end zone and it's 24 to six, 24 to six on the road. I, I think Wisconsin played very admirably from that point forward, but you're not giving yourself much of a chance when you're down 24 to six on the road. You're not. And you know, Jack Nelson, a lot has been said about him as a potential draft pick, and he did not look the part of it in the first half. Now, again, the offensive line itself bounced back, I thought, especially in the second half. But you can't you can't have those type of plays on the road in that environment, uh, which was pretty hostile to start. 
fans kind of when they went up 24 to six kind of uh lost it and some and a lot left i mean the, the stadium was full at the beginning it was not full at the uh when wisconsin was making its comeback but that's a you those are those are plays you just just can't have you can't have them if you're going to win on the road against a team that while some people are gonna say oh washington state's not even gonna make a bowl game they're not very good i think that offense is gonna put up a lot of points uh this year and that defense with some of the pass rushers that they have are going to make life difficult. Are they going to beat USC? Probably not. Are they going to beat Oregon? Probably not. But they have, if they play them, I don't even know if they play them. Um, but are they are they at that level of a Pac-12 team? Probably not. But they have some individual talent that is going to make life difficult for guys. And they made life difficult for Wisconsin's offensive line in there in the first half. So, and yet there were moments of, moments of brilliance, I think, for the Wisconsin offense, especially when targeting... Bryson Green, um, you had obviously a couple big shots to to Jim Ray DK. There were signs of progress, signs of life in the downfield passing game for Wisconsin. Right. One more thing on Jack, too. I think, you know, I'm not willing to say just because he had a poor performance, that's who he is. Because coming in, what's interesting is last year he had the highest pass blocking grade, at least according to Pro Football Focus, by any Wisconsin offensive lineman since Tyler Biotish in 2019. So he had a bad day. He got beaten by a guy who certainly looked like an NFL player to me but you've got to be able to clean that up. And like you said, they did do a better job at, at protecting Mordecai later in the game. And when he's got time, you see what he can do. He was really dealing. And I think that's what's so different about this team. I, the last three years, if Wisconsin gets down 24 to six, that final score might be 42 to 13 or something like that. How many games did we see like that? So because you've got a passing attack like this, you can, change the complexion of the game. Now it's unfortunate for Wisconsin that when they got within two, they, the two point conversion failed and, and that was it. They fizzled out, but I think it did show something about what's possible for this offense. And even more intriguing was the fact they their running game for most of the game was virtually non-existent. Uh, and so that makes it more challenging too, but I think Mordecai played very well. And the best play of the game was the touchdown pass to Skylar Bell because stone beat Nelson again, looked like he was going to get his third sack. The way Mordecai was able to escape that pressure, keep the play going, and find Skyler in the left corner of that end zone for the touchdown, I don't know how many quarterbacks Wisconsin's had recently that can do that. Recently? I don't think there's any. I mean, yeah. you have to have the mo- mobility to get outside and make that play. I guess I guess maybe Jack Cohn could have done it, but rolling to his left and throwing back across his body like that or having to port his body in the direction it was with Ron Stone being right there, I honestly, I thought it was a sack. I thought Me it was Zachary's he's throwing the ball away, and yet he made just a remarkable throw, and it was a great catch, too, and it was an NFL catch because he got both feet in, um, did Skyler Bell. It was – the passing game showed kind of some of what we saw, I think, in spring ball and in fall camp that we hadn't necessarily seen from Tanner Mordecai or Wisconsin fans hadn't seen from Tanner Mordecai at points. And to me, that that is extremely intriguing. And I, you go back and you wonder, all right, did Washington State say, all right, we saw Buffalo say, all right, you're going to beat us with the the run game. And and they did. We're going to make them beat us with their arm. But I just thought the the uh, speed for Washington State's defense certainly affected some of what Wisconsin wanted to do in the run game. And they were uh, tough to block at times. Ches Malusi got 12 carries. Braylon Allen just seven carries. Now, he did get six catches. And I know we joked last week about him being on uh, him being on pace for 91 catches. And he probably is, but I'm wondering if those 91, I mean, he's, it's a little bit less than 91 because he had seven catches week one, six catches week two. But would those catches result in being over 100 yards on the year? 
Right. That's what <laughs> that's what I was joking about in the press box, too. Let's say he gets 100 catches. It'll be for 200 yards. Would you trade that for some of those rushing opportunities? They're still trying to figure out a way to obviously move the ball and get him involved in a variety of ways. That was not his best performance. And I, I, it's it's interesting to go from Wisconsin had 312 yards rushing, I think it was in the opener, which is the most the Badgers have had in two years. You see that, you put that on film, and you think we got to stop that, but we know the running game needs to be markedly better. Yeah, they had 90 yards rushing, and Tanner Mordecai accounted for 21 of that. If you take away the sacks, he had 43 yards rushing, and they were – I thought we saw his athleticism and his mobility extensively on Saturday night, and I think that makes him unique and dynamic for a Wisconsin quarterback because it just hasn't been that. Uh, there was a stretch – there where he completed 10 straight of his passes. He was 22 for 31 at, uh, I think it was 23 for 31 at one point. And they were, they were chugging along. They were chugging along and it felt like it was just a matter of time before they took the lead, right? It was 20, it was 24, 22. The defense, you know, almost has the safety. Was this in your personal opinion, Jesse was out of safety. Badgers fans are probably going to get after me because I, I think everyone and their mom was saying it was a safety. I, I don't know that I had the best angle. I, I think it's hard because you see him going backward in the end zone, but where the ball was, I think it was in front of the line. Um, so I don't know. I know people want to blame the refs and and all that, but I don't think it was a safety. You don't. You know what's funny about that is you say you don't have you didn't have the best view. The guy who's marking it is uh, the the umpire who is standing five yards behind the play. I don't know how he can where exactly his view is in terms of where Cam Ward was when forward progress is stopped. I, m- me personally, and again, whether it's a rule or otherwise, when the quarterback takes a step back on his own, intentionally mm-hmm. moves back towards the end zone, I think he's his his momentum is going back into the end zone and it isn't stopped until he goes down and so I, again i know rule wise that doesn't necessarily fly but in my personal opinion we talk about forward progress if he's going to go back on his own if he's running back like for a first down if a wide receiver has a first down and then runs back behind the first down trying to get away from somebody they mark him back so personally probably personally if the rules are the way that in my mind that they should be, it's a safety, but it wasn't, but it didn't matter. Wisconsin got the ball back and Chimray yeah. DK gets about a, you know, 10 yard turn sets him up at the 34 yard line. They're at Washington state's 34 yard line. It feels like they have all the momentum. It feels like they're just moments away from scoring to take the lead. And Kane Johnson gets the 15 yard penalty after the play. And penalties were a huge part of the loss against Washington state the previous year. And they, they played a role on Saturday, not as big a role, but that one was huge because two plays later, Ches fumbles again. You have to you have to call it a fumble because it was called a fumble on the field, even though, you know, video evidence wise, I think if it's if it's called a if it's not called anything on the field, it's Wisconsin's ball, but it wasn't, and it was called a fumble, even though there was no beanbag thrown, there was no like there was no immediate signals until Wisconsin, until Washington State came away with the ball. But the fact that there was no angle on the play either, like a really, really good angle to show whether there was a fumble there or not, disappointing on the part of ABC. Um, but either way, Wisconsin had an opportunity there to, to go and take the lead, and I thought they were going to, and the fumble, and then they just could never get that momentum back. 
least enthusiastic call by an official, maybe <laughs> what, since the Packers Seahawks game. <laughs> yeah. Incomplete. Sorry, Sorry to bring up hard feelings. Touchback. Um, but I, it's tough because it's exactly like you're saying, whatever the call is on the field is what it's going to be simply because you didn't have a good angle. I have no idea. It didn't look to me like a fumble, even on the replays, but you couldn't tell because, well, was his left arm down? Was the ball coming out? No idea. Obviously that one was crushing, but they still had a couple other drives and couldn't get in. And obviously you know, Luke was asked about this too. I don't really have an issue with this where they went for two. They're down by two points. It was like 25 seconds left in the third quarter by not getting it. You put yourself in a position where if you give up a touchdown, you're down nine, but don't give up the touchdown, score some other points. I thought it was a, a fine decision to go for two at the end of the third quarter. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't have a, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I feel like doing it that early is, is kind of chasing it, but he also thought that he didn't think it was that big of a, deal that they didn't get it momentum wise like energy wise like it wasn't he thinks 24 24 is a much different game energy wise than 24 22 but he also didn't think like washington states all of a sudden got this big jump and they didn't i mean wisconsin's defense continued to to slow them down even after that that play so uh one other place stood out for me and in the moment it felt like oh uh, you know bryson green probably should have caught the ball but that little that post route that he ran that he was, I mean, he was streaking wide open. And I feel like if, if you're just Tanner Mordecai, that's the one throw you're probably holding on to and being like, if I make that throw, we win this game because he was streaking open. If he puts it on him instead of loft, I mean, maybe put a little bit too much underneath it. Maybe if it's just a dart, it's a touchdown. That one to me is going to stick out as, you know, the offense was, was pretty good in the third quarter um, and, and shades of the fourth, but that play right there is probably one that sticks out to me. Is there anyone? Then, is there anyone for you? Well, uh, there's. I, I feel like there's a lot, but that that's a pretty good one because Bryson. I mean, I think he showed some really good flashes in that game. The kind of the stuff we've been talking about throughout preseason practices, even with the throw, I thought he was going to get it. I mean, he's one of those guys, and you talk about this with basketball players with the three point shooters, the way you can see guys on the bench just raise their arms like you think every shot's going in. I, I feel like from watching Bryson, you just put the ball in the area and he's going to come down with it, but just a little off target. And that can be the difference between winning and losing. It can be. He had an, another, and I know that I think Lewis Riddick called it an NFL type throw. I think it's an NFL type play just because we see it a ton in the NFL is that little back shoulder. Um, it's one-on-one -on -one back shoulder and the cornerback's back is the quarterback and he has no idea that the ball is coming his way and you just a little stop and it's right there. And it was a really, really nice throw. I feel like those are throws that you could certainly do when you're going to play the way that Washington state played the press man on the outside and, and not a ton of, not a ton of safety help. Those the, the throws down the field are, are things that are going to be open and you have to hit on them in Wisconsin. It felt like they hit on a couple of times, right? They got the one to, they got the one to chim down the side. They got the one down to obviously uh, Bryson for, I think it was, was it 54? Uh, it was, it was a big gain. Those are the type of throws that are going to be available. And I think they have the wide receivers and the quarterback to hit on them on a regular basis. They didn't hit them enough uh, against Washington state, but they were there. They were there to be hit. And they just, just a, like a second off or a yard off or two yards off of uh, making Washington state pay for the type of offense or the type of defense that they were trying to play against Wisconsin on the outside. And for large stretches of that game. I think right now, it's hard not to think this is going to be a process, but I also, you know, we could get into a situation where it's game eight or game 10. And if you're still saying the same thing, you're in big trouble. I'm, sure. I'm certainly waiting to see 
can this group put it together for a full game or close to a full game and show, okay, this is what Wisconsin football is this season, because right now, this is what Wisconsin football is that, that a little bit of inconsistency. And I don't know how long it's going to take. The flashes are certainly intriguing and eye opening, but you've got to be able to do it much longer to win some of these other games. Yeah. You would expect them to handle Georgia Southern fairly easily. The Purdue game in two weeks is going to be interesting, even though they've, you know, haven't lost to Purdue for 20 years, but there are some tough matchups coming up against really good defenses that are going to make it difficult. And in those games, can you show that you can be the offense that everybody hoped you could be? Yeah. Was there anything else that you want to hit on in the game before we get to to the folks' Twitter's, Twitter questions? I think we covered it. We've relived as much of uh, that game as Badgers fans are probably interested in reliving. And yet we're going to do a little bit more of it here with some of the folks' Twitter questions. All right, we'll start with uh, AJ. He says, here's one. Why, despite all the fever pitch hype from the staff and the AD, does the team look worse than last year? <laughs> Is it worse than last year? They did lose six regular season games. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think the I think the offense looks certainly looks better than it did against Washington State last year. Um, now, how many more points did they score? Obviously, it's not not a ton more, but it, eight more. Uh, the passing game looked better. Got to be better in protecting the quarterback early. We haven't we haven't hit on this yet but it was obviously a story after the game because it was a story leading into the game, the inability to finish in the fourth quarter. That was certainly something that was talked about going in, but I thought Luke Fickle hit on it. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't finish the way we wanted to. And we had an opportunity to do that. We put ourselves in position to do that, but we also put ourselves in a very, very tough position to be down 24 to six and to start the game that the way that they have the team in the third quarter that we saw. And I think we were kind of talking about this on the way back to the car with the, the, the group of us is, what we saw in the third quarter is kind of who Wisconsin can be both the third quarter against Buffalo, the third quarter against Washington state. And can you consistently be that uh, for 40 minutes, uh, you know, for the full 60 minutes? I don't know if that's something that Wisconsin can do, but we know we, they have it in. It was encouraging, but it gets lost when you don't win the game. So of course it does. Of course but, it does. But like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can get off to a better start, if you can put yourselves in better position, you're not down 24 to six. If you t- if it, if it, if it, it shouldn't take you 20 minutes to hit the ground running if you're on you know either side of the ball. And it kind of did, especially for the defense. It kind of did in the offense. Certainly, in the inability to finish drives in the first half is what cost them the game. I mean, if you look back at it, the inability to finish drives, the inability to, to protect the quarterback and protect the ball cost you the the game there in the first half put yourselves in better position you'd be okay i don't know if the team looks worse than it did last year though no Uh, i'm not i'm not willing to go that far you'd be in dire straits and it's still early uh people are really diving off the deep end here um and he keith says he's 30 percent joking on this one but now that the season is over and the honeymoon is over should we see how Locke looks Oh, now that the season is over. Wow. Didn't know they were canceling the next 10 regular season games. 33% joking. No. We've already said it. You can't blame that on Tanner. Yeah, he had the two fumbles. His left tackle got blown up. And I think he's been very good other than those two picks in in week one. Yeah. CT Badger says, and he he asked this question a couple weeks ago about going two and two to start the season. He says, reframing a previous question, after Wisconsin starts two and two, do you still feel they can win the West? Well, if they're two and two, I assume you mean they lose to 
Purdue and not Georgia Southern. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I would say yes, because the West is like it is in most years, where I don't think anybody is the cream of the crop. But if you lose your opener to a Purdue team you haven't lost to in 20 years, then what confidence would I have that you can win some of these other games when Ohio State's coming up, coming to play in Camp Randall? you got to play at Minnesota, obviously, Iowa, the Illinois game, although Illinois, woof, not looking so good for the, the fighting Brett Bielema's after that loss to Kansas. But no, I don't feel very good about their, their chance. You've got to win games like that. The plant of Jim Leonard in Illinois is working very, very well, paying him a million dollars to go down there and sabotage their defense. It's looking off, looking, looking pretty good. Looking pretty I like good that right conspiracy now. theory. Yeah. Uh, Kyle says, I'd love to hear why their best player only had seven carries and why they seem to think he's best used as an extra blocker on passing downs. His best play was when he was a fullback <laughs> on the pitch play that went for a touchdown to Ches Malusi. Well, what does that say when his best play was him not getting the ball. I, I don't know. Um, I imagine that's got to be something they're going to look at. Now, when he did get it, they were obviously swarming. It wasn't like he had seven carries and 50 yards rushing, but he's a preseason second team. Was he preseason second team All-American? Like he's supposed to be one of the best players in the country. You've got to figure out ways to get him the ball in successful situations. And I know they would say figuring out ways is getting the ball to him in space on some of those pass plays, but not none of those pass plays really had i mean none of them went for big gains he had six catches for 12 yards yeah the little screen that he had that seemed to be set wide open and the guy give credit to the linebacker for making a little play on the, on the little pitch to him from from mordecai where it was kind of like a fake to the outside and then it was all wide open in the middle guy made a great play if he doesn't make that play braylon's taken off and it's a, it's a big game the guy made a great play Guy made a great play, and so they need to figure out ways. I'm interested to hear from Braylon. We get, get, did not get to hear from him after the game, kind of where his mind's at after getting seven carries, which is the fewest in a game that he started, um, and the 20 yards that he had is the second fewest he's had in a game that he started. The other one was the Illinois game when he had eight carries for two yards. So he was involved. He got 13 touches, but probably not involved the way that he uh, he definitely wanted to be. Um Whiskey Lover says, is this is offensive line play holding the team back? He says, great wideouts, running backs, and finally a gamer at quarterback. Blocking sucks, and not just Jack Nelson. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I don't I feel like it's it's real easy to make kind of rash judgments right now because I think they did a pretty damn good job of blocking in week one. Obviously, the competition got better in week two, but I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's just a terrible situation where Mordecai is consistently under pressure. I know they didn't run the ball very well in week two, but no. Okay. Saul says, uh, second straight game. Didn't see much rotation in the offensive line group. As they mentioned, they would have how many played and thought they would have switched after the first half struggles. When we saw, we did see some, some movement, obviously Trey Wedig working at, at guard for Joe Huber. And we saw that in the first game, too, a little bit at right guard with with Michael Furtney. So it feels like they have a little bit of a rotation there. But outside of that, there hasn't been. I don't think we expected there to be more than that. Um, if, well, I mean, he, Jake he, Renfro he did talk about the spring wanted to play seven guys, right? 
Well, right. But J- Jake Renfro not being available changes the math on that. And, and I know that Jack McNell Jr. said during the preseason that he liked everyone in his 2D, but there's obviously a, a drop-off. And if there weren't, you'd see Nolan Rucci come into the game after Jack Nelson struggles. But there's a reason why Nelson continues to play. So this is who we're going to see. And I imagine it's going to be this way until – Renfro is healthy and maybe they can shuffle some things, but even then I think it's a challenge because you're already into the middle of the season. All right. A few more here. Uh, our guy, Vitaly Pesetsky says he does believe in Luke fickle. I uh, thinks he now realizes the issues run deeper here as this team lost in the fourth quarter again and needs to learn how to win. Don't flinch just doesn't apply to this group, which must make Barry angry. Are we looking into a longer rebuild than we thought before, we, before you answer that question, I want to throw something in here from Jake Cheney. Cause I asked him, a little bit like what was the locker room like? Because last year, the Illinois game, there was the whole draw a line in the sand and then you come out and you get it taken to you again. And that was obviously something that stood out after the firing of Paul Christ. But I want to throw something in here about Jay Cheney because I wanted to hear what Luke Fickle was like in the halftime and and how he reacted. So here he is. See, like if you look, if, you, if you've been here since like last year, you think about last year, prior years you know if the game came down to this like there's no chance we're down 20 what was the score in halftime 24 to 9 24 to 9 I mean let's be real last year are we we, hanging our heads high I mean I think we fought back decently I mean that's the right step in the right direction so no I'm not panicked I know coach Vic doesn't panic so I know we'll be back and better what was the locker room like at halftime? Because I, I mean, you, you talked about last year. I think a lot of people think about the Illinois game, and uh, there's a line in the sand, and you guys came out and didn't play any better in the second half. This time around, you guys did. What was it like in the, uh, in the locker room this yeah. time? I mean, like, I love our past coaches. They're great guys, diehard Wisconsin guys, and I love them to death. I'll, put my life on the line for them and their families. But now there's something about Coach Vic. He's just a G. He, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's a man. Like, just, he's the head coach you want to be behind. And, uh, you know, there's no panic out of him. And that, that surprised me a lot when I first, you know, he's in high intensity to do it in practice, high intensity in the offseason workouts. But when it comes down to it, he doesn't panic. And, you know, once the team gets that, once the team understands that, you know, we're going to be in a stepping towards the right direction. All right. So that was, that was Jake Chaney talking about. I think that kind of says it all. He, he said, Luke fickle. He said he loved everything that obviously the last staff did. Right. And he loved everything about them and all that stuff. But Luke Fickle's a different dude. He wasn't overreactionary. He wasn't freaking out. He was just, you know, stay the course, stay the course. And the second half was a hell of an answer. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think they flinched at all in the second half and uh, in, in what they did. Now, if you want to point to, them flinching, you know, after the Chesma Lucy fumble and not getting off the field. Okay. But I don't, I, I, the idea that they flinched somehow doesn't to me, to me, Vitaly doesn't apply to this particular game. In terms of how long a rebuild will be, it's hard to say. It's only been two games. I'm still, I'm still willing to give a grace period here because I want to see this happens every year over the course of a season. You have these ups and downs. Obviously, some years, particularly recently, have had way more downs. But I think there's still time to figure some of this out. And, I mean, Luke said it. Like, we, he's, this is what he said. We have the talent. And I, I generally agree, certainly from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, 
they've got some things to figure out, but I guess I wonder what, what does a, what does a rebuild mean? I mean, is it anything short of a big 10 championship, which certainly has been the goal in bringing Luke fickle here. Does that mean you're not, you're not at the level and you consider that a rebuild um, like nine and three, does that mean it's a rebuild? I don't know, but I think I'm willing to give certainly Luke Fickle the benefit of the doubt here, and let's see what happens here over the next month or two. Uh, Mark says, this sounds weird to say, but does Luke Fickle need to follow Gary Anderson's example in his first season? Even though he wanted to run a different offense, he tailored his scheme to the personnel Wisconsin had. It seems so stupidly obvious that Allen should have more than seven runs. Well, it's too late for that. <laughs> They've gone whole hog into this bad boy. Um, yeah, I'm... I, I'd be interested to hear what Braylon has to say this week and what the response is in the next couple of weeks. I think they know that he's a really important piece. The other thing is when you've got Chez, this isn't like what we've seen in years past where they were going to feed one guy 22, 25 times a game. So you've got to consider that at well uh, as well, but he certainly needs the ball more. Yeah. Chris says, what is the current state of Wisconsin football? He just can't fathom that losing. He just can't fathom losing to Washington state two years in a row. I'd say the state of Wisconsin football is in a better place now than where it was a year ago, but still lost. Yeah, it is. What is the state? Well, Wisconsin has forever been trying to get to a place where it could be something close to a consistent upper echelon program, and they're not there. So they're like a lot of other teams in college football right now, and I know that's disappointing, but it's still going to take that special kind of year to make that leap. I think it's worthwhile noting that uh, Washington State is now in the top twenty-five of the AP poll. They are one of well, they're one of eight they teams. What? What are you laughing about? Well, because yes, they are, but they're also there because they beat a Wisconsin team that was ranked nineteenth. Wisconsin was ranked what last year? Nineteenth. Did they? Did Washington State get in the top twenty-five after beating Wisconsin last year? I don't believe so. They didn't. So get out of here with that. They went on the road and beat number 19, Wisconsin, last year. Weren't in the top 25. They're a better team this year. Mm-hmm. How good are they? I don't know. But they have a lot of they, – they are a better team. Uh, whether you want to crap on Washington State or not, I don't, I don't particularly care. But I think giving them credit for uh, the type of team they are is probably worthwhile here. Um, Wisconsin, it's, it's not like they f- – it's not they lost to Northwestern. And if they lose Northwestern, then we can talk about where they are as a program. That's not Northwestern that they played on Saturday. It's just not. So, again, it's not ideal to lose in Washington State two years in a row, but they are a currently a top 25 team in college football. And that is what you have to uh, at least own, I think. Washington um, State had the two best players on the field. They did. Cam Ward and, and Ron Stone? Yep. Yeah, I mean, they, for, for, Shea, for certainly a large portion of that game, I think Ron Stone was, was the best player on the field. Cam Ward was was really, really good and made some key plays down the stretch. So I thought Wisconsin did a really good job in, in slowing him down for about a six um, drive stretch there and gave themselves an opportunity, but he had some guys running wide open too. Again, I big cam Ward guy, big cam Ward guy. I think he's a, a nice player. I don't know if he's an NFL player, but I know he's really, he's a really nice college player. Uh, Mark says, I still think the lollipop snaps hurt the tempo on offense. I know you guys only cared about them getting to the quarterback. So agree to disagree. I'm going to disagree with that. I, I do think it's a it's an impact. Now, the court, the coach and the quarterback are fine with the, with the snaps. But again, they're getting to where they need to be. He slowed them down for a reason. 
and they didn't have any issues snapping the ball on Saturday. That's which is saying a lot more than you can for Washington State, which did have some issues, despite, you know, having a center that actually has played center extensively in Wisconsin, Tanner, uh, you know, Tanner Bordellini working in there for what his third game, his fourth game as a center in in his career. He's looked pretty darn good. And I think as he gets more comfortable, the snaps will probably get a little bit faster. Uh, but slowing it down to get it where it needs to be is just fine. But he's gonna, we, we agree to disagree. I, I, I'm saying they should be faster, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, either way, he says thoughts on the offensive line. I think it's been a huge weakness for the last two to three years, which is odd given it's a decorated group. Left tackle looked awful. I think we've kind of hit on this. Right? I don't know if we need to jump into it anymore. Do you? Do you? No, I think we're good. Yes, the last few years the offensive line wasn't up to to snuff, but this year we'll see. He says uh, from 2016 to 2019, we're getting back into the, the Chris Glory days here. He went to three near six bowls in four years. Why do you think, or what do you think are the odds Fickle has a stretch that successful at, at Wisconsin? 25%, 50%, 75%. And how high would those odds have to be to justify a few years of mediocrity, which is eight total wins or fewer? Oh my goodness, that's a massive question. Well, the landscape here is changing in the Big Ten, and I think it makes it much more difficult, but that's also why you brought Fickle in and paying him $7.8 million on average. I don't know. It's 50%. Um, also, you know, how long of a, a line are we talking here? If he's if he's here 10 years, I think he's have going to have a really good run, but I don't know. I wish I had a good answer for you. Yeah, it's it's a tough question at this point. It's a tough question at this point. I, I feel like comparing eras is just extremely – extremely difficult now because as you said college football is changing and what's important and who's in your conference also significantly different uh coming up next year right now yes everything is everything right now is very similar to what it was in 2016 or 2017 when paul chris was doing what he was doing but it's not going to be the same next year with ucla and usc and oregon and washington coming in and the college football ex- playoff expanding to 12 teams and it's just going to be looking at um significantly different in, in New York, New York, New York, New Year's six games are not going to be, I think the standard that we're measuring guys at anymore. Yeah. And the other thing is if it were an apples to apples comparison, then I think it's reasonable to, to think Wisconsin can do what they did under Chris, because this team is being built to dominate the teams that are in the big 10 West. It's being built to do more than that. But if you still had the same divisional format, yeah, I think that's realistic. We don't know what it's going to look like in the future with whether there's divisions or not, but with the teams that are being added, these are really good teams, multiple programs that have been to a college football playoff and that changes the math, but you're right. The the because the expansion to 12 team college football playoff, it's not about the New Year's 6 games. It's about, look, you may not have won the Big 10, but can you put yourself in position to be the second or third best team and get into the playoff and give yourself a chance to win a national championship? Yeah. Uh, Tim says Trussell didn't have the defense ready. They looked like a deer in the headlights in the first half. Personally, I've been putting blame on the players, but if coach doesn't scheme to his player strengths and continues to force a play style that doesn't fit, who's at fault? First of all, I don't know that there's these huge, huge differences between what, what these guys are being asked to do from, from last year. There are, there are certainly differences, but they, they've played a lot of, two four five on saturday they played obviously a lot more dollar with six with the six dbs on the field um 
and asking like a CJ gets to play with his hand on the ground is not something that was asked a ton of from the outside linebackers under Jim Leonard, but it was at times. I, I personally, I think that there, there have been guys not necessarily doing their jobs. I, I don't want to put it. I want to put the blame, the blame, the blame deserves to be sped around. I think on the defense for the first four drives of the game, but it doesn't simply just go on trust. I, I don't think it does. There were plenty of games during the Jim Leonard era where they faced a team. I mean, I think of the Nebraska games. They Nebraska carved up Wisconsin's defense with uh, a quarterback that was mobile. And so it's not like this is the first time that this has happened. And again, the defense was able to rally and give the Badgers a chance to win. I also think that there were some interesting adjustments and, and things that Trestle did to scheme up. There's one play in particular that comes to mind. They put Muma on the edge and he came off the edge and he got a sack. I think it was, um, it was just utilizing guys in different ways. And I think he is tailoring it to their skill sets. That's why Hunter Wohler has 24 tackles in two games. Like he, he is going to lead this team by far in tackles. And I won't be surprised if he's a first team, all big 10 type of player, but I think that that's a big part of the coach's responsibility. And I think that he has, but it is also on the players. I mean, Kamoe Latu, right. A guy that, you are relying on significantly who started last season and you've got to take him out because he just hasn't been as sure-handed as he needed to through a game and a half. Is that on the coaches? I mean, I don't even know if it's sure-handed. Like it's, well, I know you're talking about, ta- you're talking about yeah, tackling, right? I'm talking about knowing where to be and knowing yeah. where to be on the field. Like he got, so he obviously got burned on the first, on the first big play. And then on the uh, wide receiver throw down the field to the tight end. He was also, I mean, you could see, um, you could, you could see Hunter Wohler point to him and like, go back. Like he came up so hard on it and just the guy ran right by him. That was his guy. And we didn't see him barely on at all on defense after that. And I'm not saying that that's when the game changed for Wisconsin, but Preston Zachman, it felt like he was a little bit more, where he was supposed to be on a, on a consistent basis. And if you can count on a guy to be on a consistent basis where he's supposed to be, that's a little bit better than a guy who we believe has big play potential, but through two games hasn't been there mentally. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, a few more here. Uh, Rye Badger says, wondering if everyone is asking why Allen didn't have more carries, saw how effective he was in the run and screen game. That's exactly what, Washington State was set up to stop, and they did. Failure was not going to, to the quick and intermediate throws earlier, plus some bad deep throws and decisions by Mordecai. Yeah, the other thing is they they got yardage in a different way. What Mordecai ended up with, what, 278 yards? I know there were a couple of big big plays, the, the one to DK, the one to Green, both 40-plus yard gains. So it's a give and take. Obviously, in an ideal world, you're running the ball very effectively and passing the ball well, too. Um, but – this offense has been designed to, if you're going to try and stop this, then we're going to go somewhere else. I don't know. It's, I, I really want to hear the thoughts of the guys this week on like, cause they're the ones who spent all Saturday and Sunday reviewing the tape and trying to figure out, well, what did Washington state do well? And what do we need to do to counteract it? So probably have more insight on that in our show later in the week. Yeah, for sure. All right. Matt says, who's to blame for the sluggish, first halves coaching or players frustrating to watch more talented team have to dig their way out of a 24 to nine hole officiating aside. And obviously it was a 24 to six hole before uh, they got that field goal in the half. To me, it always falls on everybody. 
I mean, the coaches are getting paid a lot of money and they're responsible for getting the guys ready. But on the other hand, the guys are the ones out there on the field and they need to be able to execute. So those blame questions to me are always, it's never, it's never one person or one position group. It's, it's everybody. Chris says, how can this team still have such weakness at both offensive and defensive line? O-line still killing them and they're packed with high star guys who are upperclassmen. D-line sorely lacks impact players. We've talked about the offensive line quite a bit. I don't know if we need to go any further into that. I think we're, I think we're good. The D line. I thought James Thompson jr. Was had, a, had outstanding. A great he was outstanding. He had a couple just massive plays where he came into the backfield. The the one that a lot of people believe should have been a safety was, was one of them. He had another one as well. So I think that's encouraging. You'd certainly like to get more statistically from a Johnson. This is a group that's still trying to find itself after losing Keanu Benton and go back to Luke Fickle saying that he wanted to rotate as many as eight guys on the defensive line. That's all well and good. But to me, that also means you don't have your one or two hogs that you're just going to rely on for a bunch of snaps. And I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We did see Darian Varner briefly for the first time. I wonder what, how he's going to progress. Um, But clearly defensive line is an area on the whole that, needs to be more effective they also don't have isaiah mullins who was a a guy he's a six-year senior that um they were going to be relying on so i see you making a face which means you don't think he's you know a big time difference maker but coming into the season he was going to be one of your top four so it uh, my point is they're still trying to work through this and figure out who are going to be your guys that you can lean on consistently the only reason making that face is you know chris was talking about impact players like guys that are going to stand out and make big time plays. And I don't think mm-hmm. it was ever a strength of Isaiah Mullins. Now being in the run game and being hard to move. I think that is something that he can bring to the table. And when he's healthy, he will. I don't necessarily think that that's something that is going to be um, like, he's going to be getting in there, getting back, getting back there and getting sacks. Like that's just, that's not necessarily the type of player he is. So that's why I was making that face. I, they, they need Isaiah Mullins. That said, they brought nine defensive linemen with them. To, to Washington, which I think says a lot about where they feel they have, they think they have uh, bodies there, but maybe not necessarily the standout guys that they can count on to make plays all the time. But James Thompson Jr., that was probably his best, his best game at Wisconsin, at least statistically. Uh, Mark says, do you believe the Badgers fans after two games are really overreacting? This is a new staff that needs time to develop a team identity and chemistry along with being able to recruit the best fits for their new system. This is college football everywhere. Every week is an indictment on where the program is. Uh, And they went on the road in a primetime game in front of a nationally televised uh, audience and, and lost. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but I don't know how long it's going to take. We'll close with this one. Uh, Josh says, if, if anyone looks back at this game at the end of the year, will they be talking more about the real Badgers showing up in the third quarter, the PAC 12, whatever refs or the uh, poor game plan that cost them at the start. Boy, these are some tough hypotheticals. Uh, I think if you're a Badgers fan, you'd like to believe you'll look back and say, wow, that third quarter really was a spark that showed everybody what this team could be. But we also saw this the last handful of years too, where there were these good moments, but on the whole, what they were was the phrase is consistently inconsistent. I think this group has more talent than that. And so my belief is that they will be, markedly better over the course of the season and the more snaps they get but they're the ones that have to go out on the field and prove it yeah it'll be interesting to talk to them this week and and luke fickle talks monday 
uh, as we're doing this, we're doing this Monday morning. So he's going to be talking about, he's going to be talking here in a couple hours. Uh, the players will talk Tuesday and then we'll do a show on Tuesday and have a little bit clearer idea of what, you know, Braylon Allen thought about the game, what Jack Nelson thought about the game and uh, the look ahead to Georgia state reminder also going to be about back out at Munson Sun Prairie on Thursday from six to seven. Uh, we'll have video up after the show on YouTube. If uh, that's something that you're interested in, we've, I've been trying to go live, just not going to work. So we'll we'll have but we'll have video up after the show, and then obviously the the podcast as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Certainly check that that out. Uh, all right, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Camp.